A fraudulent DMCA notice had taken down popular game soundtracks, and it just might stick. Plus, the Unity game engine is now going to charge some developers for each install of their game. Tonight is September 17th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Aki Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy O.K. says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That Unity story is quite a roller coaster. That's what Fifth Dream says. It is, and it just had an update like 30 minutes ago. So for once... For once, there wasn't a major update on Monday morning after I had already recorded an episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, a a thing with breaking news, uh, apparently, uh, edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as we will tonight, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. Probably not so much tonight. Uh, My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on this Sunday evening, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, almost. Kind of. Uh, On the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel. Twitch.tv slash Vogue Network is where we are. Uh, We'll not be here next week. Uh, Should be back the following week. It really depends on uh, airlines and stuff. But I plan on being back in two weeks. But I will not be here next Sunday night. Uh, But uh, if you can't be here live, we do have a Discord server. VogueNetwork.com slash Discord uh, is where you can get the invite and you can see all the stuff about unity not being so unified. In fact, pod culture made that joke. So unity isn't unified. Oh, everybody's unified against unity. We're, 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 we're going to get to it. We're, we're going to get to it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, you can join there and you'll see a lot more discussion. You can see uh, news as it breaks. We try to fix it. And uh, we actually don't fix it. We 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 fail at trying to fix the news. But we do talk about it. And there was a lot of discourse and stuff that I was seeing and, and knee-jerk reactions from me and other developers. It was unreal, uh, the stuff that was happening this week. But we're not going to get to that yet. I actually have some uh, breaking news. Yes, I do. Breaking news. It is still there. I thought I'd replace it with something else. But breaking news. Kind of Kind of breaking news. I uh, am going to uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be gone next week. I'm also going to uh, not have a show on Sunday, October 22nd. Uh, so this is new. I have not mentioned this anywhere. I have not uh, not not mentioned uh, said this, but I uh, am honored to uh, have been selected to be uh, one of the hosts at GDQX, Games Done Quick Express, it is at TwitchCon. Uh, so I will be one of the seven hosts at Games Done Quick Express. It is uh, oct- running October 20th through 22nd during TwitchCon. So I believe the hours are actually, um, I think it's from like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, whatever time zone Las Vegas is in. 
Uh, and so I don't know what the schedule is yet. They're actually literally working on the schedule today uh, was the last thing I heard. Uh, but this gets me into TwitchCon, and so now I actually have to find... Um, I have to I have to find hotel and and get my flights and everything because I was not going to TwitchCon until uh, earlier this week. I am uh, gonna be there. I don't know what to, I can show. I can show what the games are. I can tell what the games are that are going to be there. Uh, I do have that list. Um, and so we've got uh, there's it's it's in alphabetical order. Uh, when if you go into the games list, probably by the time this podcast is out, the schedule might be out. It's really up to TwitchCon. Apparently, they hold on to the schedule. Um, but there's uh, there's there's some Bayonetta, there's some Halo, there's Pepsi Man, uh, there's a couple races, there's Sheki, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, there's a Stardew Valley race, there's a Super Mario Brothers three race. Tazbot's going to be there playing Metroid. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom is actually getting its first appearance at GDQ, uh, along with Wind Waker um, uh, Viewfinder, which is actually a, a fun a cool, fun indie game that came out very recently. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a really interesting puzzle game. Uh, I played the demo of it in Steam Next Fest, but it's, uh, it's got some really cool speedrun strats, so I'm really excited for Viewfinder. And then there's some Zelda stuff, um, and uh, there's a, a Zelda race as well. Uh, so, um, yeah, and then back, there are a couple backup runs, people that are there, uh, but hopefully, um, all the main runs will get in, uh, and stuff. So I had no, uh, I did not actually say any kind of preference. Um, so, uh, I, it is whatever they want to assign me to do. Um, and, uh, so I, I will learn hopefully this week. I may actually learn tonight, uh, after I go off the air, what, what I'm going to be, uh, what, at least what games I'm going to be hosting, uh, if it is going to, if I'm going to know what the schedule is, I don't know. Uh, but that does mean I will not be here on Sunday night, October 22nd, because I will be flying back from Las Vegas. So, and uh, and I did mention Halo. Breakman was uh, asked if somebody's going to play the entire Halo collection in a day. Uh, they are literally only doing Halo Reach on Legendary. That is the only part of the Master Chief collection that this runner is running. So, um, yeah, it's not the whole collection. It's just Reach. But it's the it's the legendary it's the Master Chief Collection version of Halo Reach, not the original version of Halo Reach. It's a separate category. Anyway, um, so uh, that is where I'm going to be uh, at TwitchCon uh, for my first TwitchCon ever. I've been saying for like five years I'm going to go next year, and then this year I even said I'm going to go next year. I'm not going to want go this year, and then this happened. So uh, I look forward. Uh, if you're going to be at TwitchCon, I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, I just got my code today to get my badge, so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I've never been to Las Vegas before, and so that's also going to be interesting. So let's get into um, the news uh, that I want to talk about this week. This one actually happened first, and I was going to spend most of the show talking about this until the next thing happens. So I want to talk about a game that, uh, uh, if ActDeft is in chat, he knows I've never heard of this game ever. Um and uh, uh, th- th- I, I actually have heard of this game, and you've heard of this game and everything. Uh, Tunic is the main game we're going to be talking about, and it's not really Tunic the game, it's Tunic the soundtrack. Game developer reports that Terrence Lee, one of the composers of Isometric Corp's Tunic, has claimed false DMCA takedowns have led to the game's soundtrack being pulled from streaming services. On Twitter, Lee, who goes by the name Lifeformed, uh, alleged that they've been hit with a DMCA claim since September 9th. 
So DMCA takedowns are often used by big studios uh, to get rid of material it thinks is harmful or infringes on copyright. The recounting of events by Lee show how damaging the system is to creatives not under the protection of big labels. Now companies are ill-equipped to deal with claims made out of seemingly pure malice. According to Lee, an unknown individual contacted him on Messenger with the express intention of taking down his music. After the claim was filed, albums for both Tunic and the 2012 game Dust Force, which he also did music for, were taken down from platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, Lee wrote at the time, quote, they simply had to send an email to Apple Music with no proof, and the entire network of streaming services will instantly remove the music and flag my account. The affected albums and tracks are Tunic, Fast Fall, Umbra, and Undiscovery, unquote. Lee went on to say that he and Tuna co-composer Janice Kwan were working hard to get the affected soundtracks back up and filed a counterclaim. He further revealed that he rece uh, received another email from the same person on September 11th said that the and said the distributor DistroKid won't protect us from new accounts. So um, he used DistroKid, which is, uh, I don't know much about the service, but it is a self-publishing music service. It's a dis di distribution thing, but they do not get in the middle of these DMCA requests what distro kid essentially told uh the composer terrence terrence here uh was that well you need to take it up with the person who claims that they have the copyright it's a throwaway email address that person that email address doesn't exist anymore uh but distro kids like well i mean you've got to you know you, you got to take it up with them we're not going to get in the middle of this whereas like a label or a bigger service that you know takes a royalty fee they would actually come in and say, well, no, we know you owe the music. We're going to go to bat for you. Distro kids like, no, we, we aren't going to go to bat for you. We don't have the resources to go to bat for you. You need to, to, to work on this yourself. Tyreclaw says this better. Uh, this is another one of those copyright trolls. Basically. Yes, it is. And it, it's somebody who threatened them and knows enough about the DMCA system to take them off all the platforms. So, um, Lee said, quote, if they do this again, our music will be effectively be banned from the mainstream Internet. Everyone already knows that DMCA laws are deeply flawed. Uh, why do distributors and streaming services not at the very least offer the basic protections against these low effort attacks? Unquote, because the DMCA is to protect big studios. They're not to protect people like Terrence. They're not. It's not to protect Tunic. It's to protect Mario. It's not to protect, you know, the, the, the small indie games. It's to protect zelda it's to protect disney and uh th who's to say that this person doesn't own the music like who's to say just because you composed music and this is unfortunately true in the music industry just because you composed music doesn't mean that you automatically own the rights to it especially so it is entirely possible that you could have an agreement that you hid from DistroKid. Um, and so this this is where distro kids is this is probably what they're thinking is that there might have been an agreement that uh, that uh, that Terrence Lee did with this person who did the DMCA and that Terrence Lee doesn't actually own the music. This other person does. And it's up to the two of them to figure it out and come back to distro kid. Distro kid's not going to believe one over the other. So. Um, the, the other thing is distro kid said, we might ban your account because if we get more DMCA claims against you, we're just going to assume they're real and we're going to ban your account. And then that's going to, and basically your music will be locked away. Um, so 
presently, uh, uh, Lee and uh, Quan's music can be heard and purchased on their Bandcamp page. Uh, game developers reached out to Lee for comment uh, and stuff. And uh, what he actually did say is, uh, quote, the real issue is the way distributors and streaming services respond to DMCA claims and how this their process enables ha- harassment of legitimate artists. Our frustration is that there doesn't seem to be any basic checks or filters for even the most basic fraudulent attempts like this one, unquote. Lee forwarded images to game developer, uh, confirming that the attacker's actions were, quote, entirely random and malicious without a hint of legitimacy to their claims, unquote. Though he hopes for an amicable solution, allowing listeners to both enjoy his and Quan's music, the larger issue surrounding DMCA claims will remain. He says, quote, resolving the single issue we are experiencing doesn't address the reality that the way distributors and other service providers responds to DMCA claims put legitimate artists and creators at risk over and over. It's no surprise that malicious people like this exist. What is surprising is the exist, uh, extent to which the system protects and enables them to carry out their attacks without consequence, unquote. Unfortunately, here's why the services respond like this, because they do not want to be sued. If a service says, oh, you sent a DMCA request, I don't think so. And if they said that to something they didn't know, then they could be sued if it actually was true. In this case, it's not. In this case, whoever filed the DMCA request does not own the music. But if they did, if somebody else had bought the rights from the composer and the com- they had a falling out and the composer was like, well, I'm going to release the music myself, that person who does legitimately own the rights can make a DMCA claim. And if the service provider uh, does not actually act on it, then the service provider is liable. Whereas with this system, DistroKid is no- not liable. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, other uh, other music streaming services are not liable because they acted on the DMCA uh, takedown request. And now it is up to the composers to fight that DMCA takedown request. So it is on uh, on Bandcamp. And uh, Mike Def says the physical version of Tunic comes with a code for the, uh, um, for the soundtrack. And so you can buy the soundtrack on Bandcamp, but it has been removed from a lot of people's Spotify playlists. Uh, and people are actually getting mad at the, the the composer. Like, why did you remove this music? And he's like, I, I didn't. Um, so uh, we see this also with game music where, like, uh, especially for, like, games that don't put uh, put their music into system, like these these DMCA systems and stuff, content ID matching and things like that, because you could be playing uh, Metal Gear Solid, um, or actually, or you could play playing GoldenEye, let's say. Like, I think GoldenEye is a better example of this. And I don't think this specific example actually happens. But GoldenEye, and you go to the pause screen in GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64. You know, that, that you know, the, the pause screen goes real hard, right? It's a banger. So much of a banger that Childish Gambino used it as a backbeat um, in, in one of his songs. And so theoretically you could get a DMCA strike for playing golden I 64 by childish Gambino. I don't think that specific case happens that very specific one. I don't think that one actually happens, but it could. And there are other smaller time, uh, EDM DJs, remixers that, that are independent musicians of their own that sample video game music, upload it to Content ID, and have monetized and demonetized other people's videos 
because they were playing a video game that they happened to sample, and the video game's not in Content ID, but their song is. That happens all the time. And that is also something that needs to be looked at, but I don't think we're ever going to actually look at it because that takes an act of Congress. And I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. Breakman says, is there anything in this country that can't be exploited by greedy a-holes? Um, no. Welcome to capitalism. This is capitalism. This is it right here, buddy. S. Sheridan Matt says, unfortunately, the laws are a mess and need revision to more uh, modern standards. The copyright laws are too far down on the priority list of any uh, administration that it's not being touched. Here's the thing that I learned. I learned this at Dragon Con when I was on the AI panel for the independent film track. The copyright laws in this country are based, are, are all offshoots and amendments to a law from 1910. So all of this and all of the laws about the internet stem from like this one law that's still on the books from 1910 about phonographs and telegraphs. So because phonograph records were just coming into, into, into the world. Uh, so you could actually have recorded music. And then the telegraph uh, was the way of communicating over long distances. And so they, they made laws in like 1910 for that. And every single copyright law since then has been adding or doing things based on that law. So it's been amendments to that law, changes to that law, but all stems from this one law from the 1910s. And that's why it is so... Um, that's why it's so difficult to understand it because it wasn't made for modern things. It wasn't made for our modern environment. Orange Wright said, I remember Super Metroid got into this issue with the uh, content ID. Some rapper sampled the main theme. Yeah, and then the rapper can claim they own it. Now, you would, they don't. You can file a counterclaim, get it taken away. But, you know, that takes time. That takes effort. And... That may just, you know, somebody may be like, okay, fine, I just won't bother anymore. Um, so that's that's part of the reason I don't put my music out there. I used to write music 30 years ago, uh, and it's an, it's an interesting story. I haven't been able to tell it on the show at all uh, because things happen when all, when all this was going on. But like a song that I wrote 35 years ago now, like what is time? I'm not going to do the math anymore. Um, or 30 years ago, I think. Little Earth 20, yeah, I don't know. Um, late nineties. Um, it was stolen in the late nineties by someone in Lithuania. He put it on an album, uh, or a tape really. He w he was, he was very, very underground. Uh, and it became one of the seminal albums of an entire genre of music that I didn't know existed until a couple of years ago when I got reached out to by somebody who was like, Hey, we think your, your, a song you wrote in the nineties got stolen. And it's been like, uh, you know, a part of this, this entire music genre for years. And it was like one of the cornerstones in the foundation of this entire music genre. I'm like, really? Haven't been able to tell that story fully on this, on this podcast yet. I was actually going to have somebody on to talk about it and things happened. Um, so, uh, you know, and I, so theoretically that song that I wrote since it was stolen could be, you know, I could get a DMCA takedown for posting it because it was literally part of this other album from Lithuania 30 years ago. Yeah. And Breakman says Bobby is a hit maker in Eastern Europe. I mean, honestly, the, my, my track on that album wasn't the one that everybody remembers, but it was, but it was there. 
it was there. Um, and the, the genre is actually called Dungeon Synth. That's the actual name of the genre that I apparently helped shape, which I learned a couple years ago. So, uh, so yeah. So hopefully uh, they get it. Uh, they get it back now. Apparently, uh, when I was checking to see how this uh, has been updated, this uh, what what's happened lately? Like, was it back up? It turns out Delta Rune's soundtrack also got fraudulent DMCA charges, and it is also now no longer on streaming services. And that's a much bigger game because that's Toby Fox. That's Undertale. Uh, so apparently they've. Um, yeah. So so apparently. Uh, th- this person has been going after multiple different game composers, and because because they can, and so far it's working because DistroKid, who was at least working with Tunic, they were like, uh, actually, it's on you, and we're probably going to ban your account because if you're up, you're uploading stolen music because the person who owns it is filing DMCA claims, and but that person doesn't own it. So, anyway. Good luck to, to I hope that the uh, the tunic soundtrack gets put back on Spotify very soon and other streaming services. Until then, you can buy it on Bandcamp, uh, and I believe there's a physical version coming at some point as well. So uh, the big news that happened this week that uh, that took up a lot of my time uh, is about game development. So I talk about the industry a lot, and so this is about game development. And a game engine. So, um, you know, t- about, you know, 15 years ago, we really democratized video game development by creating these engines that people could use. And it really helped create indie games uh, and make indie games a lot easier to make. More people were able to make games. Before these game engines came out, you had game frameworks. So you had, like, DirectX from Microsoft. And you could build your own engine and then you can make a game on top of it. But for a lot of people that were like, you know, mom and pop shops or, or you know, single developer working in a, in a, in a garage, figuratively, uh, that was unfeasible because once you built the engine, you were so tired of building the game, of working on it, you did something else. And then game engines came along to where you the game engine was made for you and you could just make the game on top of it. And this really started a revolution in allowing us to get back to the time that we were in in the 80s where a single person could make a game or, you know, a small team of two or three could make a game because for a while we had that in the eighties, you know, you know, we've talked on this network about Karatika uh, and, you know, Jordan Mechner basically making it by himself. Uh, and you could do that. A lot of those early games were like that. And then in the nineties soon, that was not feasible. Uh, you, you could not build a game by yourself. You needed a team of multiple people that understood the frameworks like DirectX or whatever else, and then you built your game on top of that. Then Unity came out. And Unity said, we are going to make the game engine so you can make the game. And so all that, uh, a lot of the very difficult 3D modeling math that you need to make a game, we're going to do that for you. And this got a lot of people into making games. And it made it a lot easier to jump into game development because you didn't need to understand the intricacies of 3D vector math to be able to put a polygon on the screen. You could just put a polygon, tell tell it, hey, put this polygon on the screen right here. And you didn't have to write a line of code. Whereas 
I remember my final project in computer graphics class in uh, when I was in college over 29 years ago, apparently, because uh, I keep telling everybody I'm 29. I'm not, obviously. Uh, but I had computer graphics class, and I used DirectX 5 to put a cube on the screen and rotate it. And it was this long program, took me weeks to write, and it was literally just a, a wireframe cube rotating. No big deal. But in, in, in Unity, you can do that in like two seconds. So Unity uh, Game Engine came out, and a lot of people were able to use it and make games in it, and then they started allowing, you know, letting you compile to mobile phones, to consoles. Then we have Unreal Engine that came out uh, free from all the Unreal stuff that Epic Games was doing. There are a couple other engines out there as well. Uh, Godot is the open source version of Unity. And then you've got like Game Maker and like RPG Maker technically also is an engine. Uh, so there are multiple engines out there. But Unity is kind of the one that was the best for indie developers because it allowed for rapid prototyping. You could make something really, really quickly. Uh, if, you, if you knew how to use Unity, you could do something really quickly. For larger build, like AAA games and stuff, it really wasn't the big, best tool set. It wasn't the best thing to use for a big, huge, sweeping AAA game. Unreal Engine is a lot better for that. But Unreal was great for the small to mid-sized projects. And now there's a lot of trust issues going on in the industry with Unity right now. Um, so Unity has made an announcement or made an announcement earlier this week that they're changing their pricing structure. Now, I am actually going to first start with the breaking news from just a few, like an hour ago or about now an hour and a half ago. So Unity sent out a post on social media, and they said, quote, We have heard you. We apologize for the confusion and angst the runtime fee policy we announced on Tuesday caused. We are listening, talking to our team members, community, customers, and partners, and we'll be making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a couple of days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. So they have stated that they're going to walk back just a little bit. Just a little bit. Not much. We'll see. Um, so what happened? So Tuesday, uh, was a watershed day in gaming development, uh, in, in gaming development industry. Uh, lots of things were happening. Game developer reports that the cost of using Unity as a game engine is once again about to increase. Starting in January of 2024, the company will begin charging what is called a Unity runtime fee that is based on the number of users installing games built on the widely used engine. The runtime fee will kick in after developers cross specific revenue and install thresholds that scale with different subscription plans. For those on the Unity Personal or Unity Plus licenses, this, the fees will kick in after a project crosses both $200,000 in revenue over 12-month period and 200000 total installs. So the math is kind of confusing in this. But we'll we'll get into I'm going to get into the math of what they were going to do because that's kind of important. the The bigger issue is trust, but the math we'll get into the math and why it is and isn't as bad as everybody says it was. It's still bad, but it's not as bad as people said it thought it was. Developers operating on the Unity Pro or Unity Enterprise license will be granted a higher threshold before they begin owing fees. For those devs, the charge will kick in after a title earns $1 million over that same 12-month period and passes 1 million installs. Um, fees will be charged on a monthly basis. Uh, the amount charged per install will also vary depending on the license. So 
Uh, Unity Personal and Plus developers will play a, pay a flat fee of $0.20 cents per install. This is not per purchase. This is not per title sold. This is per install. Pro and Enterprise users will play a smaller per, per install fee that scales downward with the number of installations over the initial threshold. Pro user fees will begin at $0.15 cents per install and scale downward to as low as $0.02 cents per install, while Enterprise user fees will begin at $0.12.5 cents per install and scale down to as low as $0.01 cent per install. Fees will also vary depending on what region a game is monetizing in. Unity has set an emerging market monthly rate for developers monetizing in countries like India. In those regions, Personal Plus users would owe two cents per install, Pro users would owe one cent per install, and Enterprise user would owe, owe a whole half of a cent per install. Developers of free-to-play games which have a much higher install rate than premium titles, will have the option to offset this fee by adopting other Unity services such as its Level Play Advertising Mediation Service. So they're doing this because, quote, an install-based fee allows creators to keep the ongoing financial gains from player engagement, unquote. Um, and so that's that's what they're believing. And they also uh, did this because, according to Unity Creative President Mark Witten, says, quote, they, they're trying to, quote, better balance the value exchange, end quote, between Unity and developers. Um, and after discussing the ins and outs of the fee, Witten spoke plainly, said, quote, we want to make more money so that we can continue to invest in the engine, end quote. They basically believe that they need this money so they can work on making the runtime, which is the ex executable that you actually run on your computer or on your console or on your phone. They want to be able to continue supporting that. And so that's how they are tacking on this fee. And they want to, uh, they're, they're attributing the fee to the ongoing development of Unity runtime, the executable the players download, and it game allows Unity to work in scale. Witten explained that maintaining the Unity runtime executable is an active effort. Even after a game ships, the Unity runtime needs to be frequently updated to operate on platforms that are being constantly updated. He says, quote, it's quite expensive, unquote. Uh, saying the fee was designed to charge developers who have found scaled success with their games while giving smaller studios enough time to build their audience before paying additional costs. Um, now, there's a couple things that's that's interesting about this. So, um, so they're basically charging per install. And initially, they said that people reinstalling, that's another fee. Or installing in multiple places. If you have two computers, that's two install fees. You only bought the game once. You have one Steam account. You have a, you have your desktop, and maybe you've got a gaming laptop. I don't know. Um, and you install it on both. Well, that's now forty cents, T theoretically, technically. That's two different installs. Originally, if you uninstalled and reinstalled the game, that would be a new install as well. So what people could do is basically install bomb a game. And say, oh, I don't like that this developer, you know, acknowledges that trans people exist. They could then buy the game and then repeatedly install it, uninstall, install, uninstall. You can even create bots to do this so you're not even sitting at the computer. It phones home or they could actually just send the payload. Say, hey, I installed it. Hey, I installed it. Hey, Unity servers, I installed it because it's basically DRM. But the DRM that Unity said is not going to stop you from installing the game if you're not online. But if you are online, it's going to tell them. And then, uh, and then essentially those fees would rack up so much that the game studio would, you know, go bankrupt trying to pay Unity for how, the amount of times their game was installed. 
Terry Claw says there will be a situation where somebody has to uninstall games in order to get enough space to install a game, so you can expect a lot of installs and uninstalls. Yes, that's really what the community is worried about. Unity says they're going to say, no, 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 it's only going to be on the first time they install it. It's not going to be on this. And they're like, well, how are you going to tell that? We're like, well, we hope you'll appreciate that we're not going to tell you that. That's our own proprietary technology, and we've got fraud detection. You're just going to have to trust us. Speaking to Axios uh, reporter Stephen Totillo, Witten said that Unity has amended the runtime fee so developers will now only be charged for an in initial installation. The company has previously suggested deletions and reinstalls would result in multiple fees and pledged its use to use its own fraud detection practices to counter potential install bombing. As for downloads made through Xbox Game Pass and other subscription plans, Witness explained that studios won't be on the hook for those fees and said distributors will be asked to foot the bill. In the case of Xbox Game Pass, that will result in Microsoft picking up the tab. Do you honestly think Microsoft's going to now accept any Unity game onto their service, knowing that they are going to be on the hook for 20 cents for each time somebody installs something? No, Microsoft is not going to do that. Microsoft is like, oh, hell no. Yeah, okay, no more uh, Unity games. You've, you have to have written it in something other than Unity. Tyclaw does point out that the current CEO of Unity, who's John Ricciatello, uh, used to be the CEO of EA when EA was voted the worst company in the world at the time. And John Ricciatello also says that a lot of game de developers are idiots. He was actually on record saying that, and he had to clarify. He's like, yes, I said it, but I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, you did. Now, the reason they're doing this, honestly, is because uh, Unity IPO'd recently. And so they're a publicly traded company which means now they're beholden to stockholders. And it is illegal in the United States to not do something in the best interest of the stockholders, so they need to get more money. And this is in the best interest of the stockholders, and that is the only people they are beholden to because the stockholders could sue Unity for not trying to do this. That's the underlying reason why Unity is trying to get more money out of people, because they used to be privately owned and weren't really they were driven by profits but not this much profit but now that they're publicly owned and you can actually buy stock in unity now um they, they need they need to bring more value to the shareholders shareholders like where's my value where's my i need more i need more i need more and as sherry matt says uh, retail has sold a ton of shares before this news was announced totally not a coincidence totally not insider training at all i i looked around and there was um a conversation i found somewhere from somebody uh, talking about this, and it was uh, it did the math. So this is the part where it's it's bad, but it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. It's still bad, and I'm still glad they're rethinking it, and I hope they actually rethink it to something a little more reasonable, which some people think they did this, so this is not their final plan. They had their real plan, but they made it so bad so we would all recoil, so it would seem like their initial bad plan would be good in comparison. That conspiracy theory is going around. So, two hundred. So, while two hundred thousand dollars is a low price point for even indie developers, and that's revenue over the last twelve months. So, if you made like a bunch of money on your game a couple of years ago, that does that's not factored in. Two hundred thousand installs of your game is not if we're talking about Steam games. So that is, uh, you know, and, and that is lifetime installs. So if you have, if more than 200,000 people have installed your game, you've hit that install threshold, but you still have to hit the revenue threshold over the last 12 months. 
let's say $20 is your game price. If you sell 200,000 units and you assume that that is uh, that everybody installs your game once, that is $4 million in revenue, not profit, but revenue. Groovy, you can say that you've made it as an indie dev. At 20 cents per install, Unity is asking for $40,000 from you for your game. Now, remember we said $4 million in revenue. Steam gets 30% of their cut. Steam actually takes $1.2 million out of that $4 million. Unity's like, we're only asking for $40,000. Steam wants $1.2 million. And also, uh, Unreal Engine asks for like uh, Unreal Engine does basically a sp- uh, straight revenue share. They want five percent after you've hit one million dollars. Uh, but in this case, like five, if it, what, I don't. I think it's I I, for, I, I didn't do the math on the five percent of two hundred thousand. But anyway, Steam wants one point two million. Unity is like we just want forty thousand. So um, this hits medium ga- uh, size game studios the hardest. So, you know, your first game, probably you're not going to hit the revenue target, so you're not going to have to pay. If you are releasing a free game, you're, you're not going to get hit. If, you, if your game is completely free, you can, it can be downloaded 3 million times, and you won't have to pay a cent, as long as you've made no revenue from it. And it is on a per-game basis. It's not a per-studio basis, so it's literally just that game. So... The the issue comes in with mobile games because those games are free to play. So the revenue comes in from the microtransactions. So a bunch of people can download your game on mobile and not pay a cent to you, but it's still an install. If enough people bought microtransactions and you got over $200,000 revenue, now you are on the hook for every install plan, for every person who installed your free game and didn't give you a cent. That is what uh, companies are worried about happening because that could theoretically bankrupt some companies. It could also bankrupt people because it's a flat fee. Vampire Survivors, for instance, is $10. They could theoretically go bankrupt by by going for a sale because like, if they, if they uh, go, are in a Steam sale, um, they could theoretically go bankrupt because now they're not like, yes, they got the revenue, but the install price didn't change. Also, think about charity bundles, humble bundles. Now, Unity has come out and said, you know, you're not going to 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 you know be charged if it's in a charity bundle. Well, how, how are you gonna? How are they gonna know that? And are they gonna trust you to report correctly? So this 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 is this is very messy. Now, a lot of game developers reacted very quickly, especially game developers who usually don't react to these type of things. Uh, the Verge reports that game developers affected by Unity's new pricing model are striking back. A collective of developers across 19 companies, mostly based in Europe and mostly developing mobile games, have put out an open letter urging Unity to reverse course on its recently announced pricing model changes. The letter contains some of the same sentiments expressed by other developers this week, but with one big twist. Uh, the letter read, quote, As in a course of immediate action, our collective of game development companies is forced to turn off all Iron Source and Unity ads monetization across our projects until these changes are reconsidered, unquote. Iron Source and Unity ads, that's how Unity makes most of its money, is they make a portion of that ad revenue, and a lot of these games have turned that off. Essentially, these companies, which represent thousands of games with billions of downloads, that's a lot of installs 
have blocked Unity from making any more money in their games. Some of the companies represented in the letter include Voodoo.io, Azure Games, and Say Games, each claiming, uh, with each claiming over 100 games. There have been numerous messages from developers urging the company to reverse course. Others have threatened to never use Unity again or port their existing projects to other game engines. This collective action from developers represents the next escalation in the fight between Unity and its users. Beyond monetary concerns, developers are also angry because the new pricing represents a breach of transparency Unity established with regards to its terms of service. This is this is the, the actual meat of why people are angry. It's the part the math and part this. It is common for companies to often change their terms of service and terminate agreements based on TOS violations. In 2019, Unity did just that, terminating its li- the license for a software company uh, improbable, citing TOS violations. The action caused outcry in the community, and in response, Unity reinstated Improbable's license and committed to keeping users informed of for future terms of service changes. In a blog post back then, Unity wrote, quote, when you obtain a version of Unity and don't upgrade your project, we think you should be able to stick to that version of the TOS, unquote. That statement is reflected in a version of Unity's terms of service from March of 2022, saying, quote, Unity may update these, uh, the Unity's terms at any time for any reason without notice. If the updated terms adversely impact your rights, you may elect to continue to use any current year versions of the Unity software according to the terms that applied last, uh, just prior to the updated terms, unquote. So basically they said, if we change our terms of service and it, and it, do, it affects you adversely, just don't upgrade. Use the old version of Unity, never upgrade, and you won't have to deal with that. Uh, and, and then also in 2019, Unity said it was going to track changes to the terms of service on GitHub to give developers full transparency about what changes are happening and when. They just deleted that GitHub repository. And then they uh, released a new terms of service in April 2023 that removed the clause that allowed you to use an older terms of service and introduced a new clause that said that the new runtime fees were on the way and you were going to be uh, beholden to them. Basically, like, you never agreed to the new terms, but by agreeing to the old terms, you now agree to the new terms. So, in video game development, it is common to lock in a a specific version of a game engine. Theoretically, developers unhappy with the new fees could have simply locked in a previous version of the Unity engine to avoid them, and Unity's own terms of service would have supported that. But with this change, uh, made in contravention of Unity's own stated goals of transparency... Anyone using a current version of Unity has seemingly agreed to these runtime fees before they were even announced. So that's a lot. So apparently, they're rethinking all of this. That was what we said at the beginning of the show. They said uh, about an hour and a half ago, they're rethinking all of this. So who knows what we're going to learn this week. But that breach of trust is actually what a lot of the game developers that you're seeing out there, the people who made Among Us, the people who've made other games, that's what they're really uh, recoiling against. And that's why we're like, well, maybe we need to learn Unity now. Godot is a completely open source engine. Maybe we need to learn Godot. Um, You know, it's the breach of trust. And the thing is, what they said in 2019 was that leadership group that was before they IPO'd, the new leader, the new owners, the shareholders don't like that transparency. That that's that's not the capitalist way. Sterlock says, I'm pretty sure not disclosing how they can tell real install from fake is a huge violation of GDPR laws in the EU. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even mentioned the fact that they don't talk about how they can't can tell if something's been pirated or not. 
because if the people who put it up don't strip out the DRM check, then a game that is bought 10 times, but pirate, you know, or a game that, you know, maybe only sold $200,000, but got pirated and everybody played the pirated version, they may have millions of installs of the pirated version, but only $200,000 in revenue. Um, and after, you know, Steam takes their 30% cut, uh, they may not be able to, to survive. They may go bankrupt. And Unity has said, trust me, bro. We're, we're going to trust us. Trust us, bro. We, we got this. And they're not disclosing how they actually tell that. Mike Deff does point out that their stock plummeted hard this week. So, uh, but you know, that also means, you know, tech bros are going to be like, well, that means you buy low and sell high. So buy at the dip. Everybody hodl. I don't know. I don't know. That, that's, that's, that's not stock market term. That's, that's, that's Bitcoin stuff. But anyway. I actually think the damage has been done. I think Unity can go back and say, hey, guess what? Like, we rethought this and blah, 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 blah. I think the damage is done. Like, there's, like, maybe the games that are currently in progress being made on the Unity game engine will, you know, they're going to continue on Unity game engine, but I guarantee you their next game is not. And there are other game engines out there now that are welcoming, you know, Unreal Engine is not as difficult to get into as it used to be. Yes, it is C++, and that, you know, involves pointers and uh, other, you know, ways that you can, a uh, programmer can shoot themselves in the foot uh, that you can't do in C Sharp. But uh, it's got the Blueprint system, which you can, people have made entire games in Blueprint and never written a line of C++ code using the Unreal Engine, and it looks amazing. Um, and, you know, there, but there's an open source alternative. I've mentioned Godot a couple times, G-O-D-O-T. And that's an open source engine. They have C Sharp uh, support in it, and they've got their own GD script uh, programming language for people like that. I th and I think it's kind of it's it's like Python. I think uh, is what it's closest to. But it's trying to be the open source version of Unity. Uh, the difference is Godot cannot uh, natively output to consoles, but that's because it's free. And so there's other things that will you know public you know you can compile Godot projects to consoles. Uh, you can do VR stuff in Godot. Uh, they, 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 you can, you can do all that stuff. So there's a lot of people looking at Godot, uh, and there's a lot of people saying, "Well, now's the time to go to Unreal Engine five because then my games can look as good as the AAA games." Yeah. So Unity's time, I, th I think uh, Unity's time is short. It's real short. That's what SJ when I'm at says, and I agree. I'm going to take a very quick music break so I can rest my voice for real quick. Uh, and then we'll be back and uh, we will talk to OLR about uh, probably anything else. Probably F099. I don't know. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show. You're in the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. You're listening to the Bobby Blackwell Show. Woohoo! It's a number one. I'm Charles Martinet. Off to do conventions. Somebody else is going to be Mario now. 
Uh, yeah, that was that was, that was tomorrow from E3 2006. That's how long I've been doing this. Um, so yeah, so, uh, if you want to leave a bumper, all you gotta do is contact me over on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord, uh, and figure out, uh, either you're just your voice or video, uh, no music in the background. I will choose what DMCA violation I want to attempt and hope that somebody doesn't DMCA strike me for it. Uh, we'll see. Um, and, um, so yeah, so, uh, uh, I wanted to clarify one thing before I go into the, uh, to, to, to Rob, because I, I missed this in my math of the unity thing. And it's that the twenty cent fee for installs is after the initial threshold, and that wasn't in the math that I had done. Uh, where so like if like let's say you know you had two hundred thousand dollars of revenue and two hundred two hundred thousand and one install, you'd be paying twenty cents. So there's like a threshold, and then it's every install above that tre- threshold is this twenty cent. Uh, charge so that's important. People thought, oh, once you get two hundred thousand revenue, suddenly Unity wants forty thousand dollars of your money. No, they they don't want that initial forty thousand. They waive that because they're good. They're 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 good people. No, they're not. Anyway, uh, so uh, coming up next here on the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vlog network is Orange Launch Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. And we like to check in with them and uh, see what is going on with them. Uh, Sacramento, are you there? Hi, I'm here, Bobby. How are you? I I am doing well. I feel like I just saw you. Yeah, I feel like it was just like a couple weeks ago I just saw you. Something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, a topic I didn't get to talk about, and I wanted to see if you have played, because I know you've done a lot of great – we've been doing a lot of great content here on Fog Network. And uh, one of the things was that you did was about the Nintendo Direct and F099. We finally got F0. What are your thoughts on F099? Uh, well, to be transparent, I haven't gotten around to playing it myself Ooh. yet. I did watch some people play it while I was at, still finishing out work, mm-hmm. thanks to the magic of Twitch. So I kind of was getting a sense mm-hmm. of the game a little bit. Um, I don't know. My my feelings are a little bit mixed because, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we're actually able to say the name F-Zero in Nintendo and they actually know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little bit of disappointment, though, that's not a little bit more of the newer F-Zero. Yeah. Uh, I think a, a remake of GX, uh, especially, and I've been saying this for forever, many, 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 so many people never even knew that those ax the arcade version tracks were actually in the gx version because very few people probably had one of those machines near them unless you were in a big city so how great would it be to get gx again but with all those arcade tracks just unlocked by default because obviously you're not going to find a machine now so um that would be such a easy thing i would think for them to release but no this is what we get instead um i just for me that's not the fun of f-zero is the 99 people at once i realize maybe that's part of the allure of the more modern f-zero games because you know there were a lot of people in a race ever since pretty much the n64 version you mm-hmm. know it's lots yeah. and lots of people in a race was kind of the the you know uh, but I, for me that's not really what it's all about um and it just looks a little bit like too chaotic in some ways just because of that because they're all mm-hmm. real people and that's a lot I liked the whole it's fast, it's futuristic, it's got the good music. I don't know. But that being said, I, I'm not disliking what I see completely because they also went in there and like edited the Super Nintendo version to have these tracks that funnel people in to yeah. a certain path. And so they, they've done and it's You're seeing it in HD and widescreen, yep. which was never a thing. So it's like. It's all these things. Just like, well, that's kind of cool. Like, why didn't you just release the Super Nintendo version? Oh well, mm-hmm. uh, I guess we'll take what we get. 
So I'll play it anyway, just to show that F Zero still has love. Yeah. But I, just, I, I, I hope there would be more than this. Yeah. Now, and now I will say that uh, you know, for for not being a full game and for being something that's added onto the my Nintendo Switch, Nintendo Online membership, um, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know, like because I've played like some of the '99 games, and I played Mario 35, and you know. That was th- th- those I played for a little bit, but I wasn't ever really good at them. And I'm actually a little bit better at this than I thought I would be. Oh, nice! And so, and the way that they do, like how you level up, is is they actually do a good job of like really pitting you against people that are your same skill level while you are in a race with people who are not in your same skill level. Mm. Um, so you you still advance even if you place lower. You just got to place higher than the other people that are around your skill level. And then they do have, like, the mobile game, and I know Splatoon does this as well, the mobile game thing of, oh, this mode, this this you've got your main mode, and then they've got a special mode, and it rotates every 15 minutes, which means you've always got people playing those modes because, like, Mm -hmm. if you're like, well, I really like team mode, but nobody plays team mode, I'm going to be sitting a while. No, you you got that, and then, you know, then it goes to, you know, a different mode pro track for something, and then they've got the Grand Prix. The only thing that sucks is that you've got to get tickets, uh, and as you play, you get tickets, and you have to spend three tickets to be in a Grand Prix. And if you crash out in the first race, you're out, and you're done. And that happened to me one time. Uh, and that's actually what the leaderboards are for, for your Grand Prix placements, not not what you do normally. But just going in and you know doing a quick race, um, having to do Deathwind one again and again because people vote, um, you know, and stuff, and they've got room for more tracks. So I don't, you know, but it's very much a mobile game type of aesthetic. Even though there's literally nothing to buy, it's just yeah. it's it's and it's they're quick. It's easy. It's something you can jump in, jump back out, and um and I actually had had kind of fun with it because you also can't hear the other people tell you how bad you are, which is that is true. That's honestly the best part of Nintendo that's Online. A perk of Nintendo Online, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I was enjoying it. I almost streamed it, and then I didn't I because I decided I was going to play it. You know, I'm like, oh, F-Zero, i got to play it on a 100-inch screen. So I thought about streaming it. But you can't, like, play with friends. Like, you can't have, like, a friend group and then go in, which I think is the same in all the other 99 or 35 games. Mm, like, you can't, interesting. you can't play in the same race with your friends. You just kind of have to hope that you're in the same thing. Well, so. that's silly. Orange Wright says, yeah, Deathwind won and Mute City won. Yeah, because there's a little vote at the beginning, and you can vote left or right, and then who, you know, one of the two tracks, and whichever one it is, that's the one you play. And apparently mm-hmm. Deathwind won and Mute City won are the ones that everybody always chooses. But Mute City one's the one that where I made third place one time, and I'm like, I should retire now. Yeah, Because I got now. third on, place. <laughs> Never <laughs> happened again. Take and go home. Yep. So um, what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? Well, we'll go in depth a little bit more on the Nintendo Direct that happened this week, as well as the Sony State of Play. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, September 14th is the new, you know, it's summer show announcement day, apparently. Yeah. Well, the E3's gone, so but we can't it's really the new E3. It's the, the new I E3. guess it's E3 version two. Um, and then, uh, you know, you and I were pretty keen on Digital Eclipse's uh, making of a Karateka. Yeah. Uh, they have announced their next game. It's not the Gold Master game, but right. still kind of neat. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And, and thank you to Digital Eclipse. Maybe they're listening or not, but they, they retweeted our video that we did earlier this week. That was and, pretty cool, e- and even one yeah. of the developers replied to me. Uh, saying oh, that cool. we that we were not nit like trust me they were like trust us we nitpick this more than you do 
because <laughs> we gave because it was it's making of Karateka. We've got it up on your our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Vogue Network. Uh, we nitpicked some things because it's so good otherwise. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we kind of had to like, OK, what is something we can say to nitpick? And they're like, trust us, we nitpick it way more than you do. Like, you know, yeah. And Go a lot check of this, it out on YouTube and yeah. follow the channel while you're at it. Yeah, because we're putting more stuff. There's stuff about the Nintendo Direct and the Sony State of Play up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're trying to really grow that presence up there uh, as well. And and maybe even putting some more stuff on TikTok. We haven't been doing a lot on the TikTok yet, but we're we're working on stuff. That's right. So awesome. Uh, so Orange Lounge Radio is up next. I will see you again in two weeks. And then I'll actually see you in October because I'm actually going to TwitchCon now. I was just saying it's the first time you and I have been at a non-Dragon Con convention together since probably like PAX East or something. It's been a while. MAGFest. Uh, oh, yeah, MAGFest. I think we did a MAGFest. Mag yeah. But it'd be the first time that you, me, and Jamie have That's all been right. at a show since PAX 08. That's right. A very long time. Yeah. So uh, I, I am looking forward to that. And now i got to figure out where I'm going to stay. Uh, <laughs> got to work on all that. Uh, but, yeah, so I will see everybody at TwitchCon. I will not be here next week, but I will be back in two weeks. Orange Challenge Radio, though, is up next. That's so, right. See thanks so much, Rob. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks as always, Bobby. So, uh, like I said, that is it for me. Two weeks, I will be back. I will not be here next week. Uh, I should be back in two weeks. It's really up to the airlines. By saying that, I think you know what I mean. Uh, So I should be back. Uh, I may actually, though, need a little bit of help. And so if you go to our Discord server, fognumber.com slash Discord, uh, throughout next week, so this week is going to be fine. Next week, if you do actually see something that you think I should be talking about or looking at, please put it in the Bobby Blackwell Show text chat channel on our Discord server over at vognetwork.com in two weeks. So basically leading up to uh, the next show, because uh, as as you probably heard, I'm going to be landing uh, on Sunday on a plane. And so I probably won't be very connected to the gaming industry for 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 a, while, for a week or so. Uh, so if you can help me out, that would be great. And then when I get back in, I will be able to choose and, and talk about something. So. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's going to be at least next week. And then, I mean, October 20, 20th through 22nd, I will be at TwitchCon, uh, hosting. And I'm going to repeat this again, because I said this at the beginning of the show, I am thrilled and honored to be one of the seven hosts for Games Done Quick Express. Uh, so GDQX, it's going to be a benefiting Able Gamers is the charity. Uh, and it is going to be a three day marathon, not 24 hours. I think it's from like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, whatever time zone Las Vegas is in. I think it's mountain time. I'm not sure. Uh, never been. Um, and um, it's going to be from that for three days, 20 through 22nd. And uh, uh, there's there's a lot of interesting, great games that are going to be there. And uh, anybody who's at TwitchCon can just go sit in in the audience. It's part of TwitchCon at the convention center. And then, But it is going to be streamed on the Games Done Quick channel, and I should have my schedule at some point, and I will post it in the Discord and all my social medias, which is at Bobby Blackwolf, just about everywhere. BobbyBlackWolf.com is the blue sky handle, not dot .bsky.social, uh, and, uh, on our, or just our Discord server. And uh, yes, I will probably try to go to the Pinball Hall of Fame while I'm in Vegas in October. 
That's for another show, though. Uh, so if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody. But it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but we would not be able to make this live show work without the help of the chatters who go above and beyond. Uh, you being here is really all that we ask for. But I want to thank Mike Deft for resubscribing. Thank you so much for the resubscription there. And also, we did get a couple of follows that I did want to mention. Some of these, and I, I know who these people are. That's why I'm going to, even though some of them were a couple days ago, I do want to thank uh, pa- Power Couple for following musical daredevil thank you for the follow h2o happy dude thank you for the follow lm motos thank you so much for the happy uh the, the follow uh happy about that I'm, i was reading happy dude's name again and then uh, ash said hi hi uh followed during the show tonight thank you so much for being here uh ash said hi also going to be at twitchcon by the way for the same reason I am, and doing other things, but also there for the same reason I am. Anyway, I'm going to hit the button and be out of here. I will see you in two weeks, uh, and uh, keep me updated on what's going on. I'll be around this week, though, so maybe I'll be on the box stream or streaming my own. I don't know. I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.